Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. Queens, do you argue about phones and screens? Well, if you do, then today is the episode you want to listen to. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Stay at Home, Mom. Today we're going to talk about something that plagues so many parents in today's society, which is something that we didn't really deal with when we were children, if you're in my generation, that is. Because phones were not a big deal. Almost every household only had one screen. And that was the TV and it was highly regulated. I mean, this was like you got to get up and turn the dial to change the channel. But today we have technology that is so readily available right at our fingertips that even our children are learning how to utilize these tools at a very young age. So how does this affect our relationship with our kids? It makes parenting a little bit more easy or does it make it a little bit more difficult? I kind of have a love-hate relationship with technology, I will admit. I am not the most technologically advanced person in the world. (laughs) It's not a strong suit and it's intentionally not a strong suit for me. How does it affect my parenting? Well, we're raising our kids up in this technology age where you don't want them to be so distant from it or so unknowing about it that they can't participate in society. But at the same time, you want them to experience life. You want them to experience real world things. You want them out in nature. You want them to learn how to like cook, clean. I mean, read a book that's not on a screen. You want them to know how to do research at a library and how to milk a goat. You want them to know how to do a little bit of everything. And this technology, while it can be an incredible gift, can also be a massive hindrance. For us, we're entering a new stage of parenting where we have two teens, two tweens, and two kids. I'm about to have four teenagers and two children in my home. And it is a whole different dynamic. (laughs) I am greatly missing those days where I was changing diapers and feeding kids that were too young to feed themselves. (laughs) I never thought I would say that. Those days were overwhelming, but it's true. We are dealing with this technology dynamic, trying to navigate it in a way that we feel is most healthy for our children. There are so many studies out there that'll tell you that screen time is really bad for brain development. And it's not just for children as their brains are growing and developing, but even adults, it's not good for us. There are studies that talk about how blue light affects our sleep patterns and it affects the way we think and how we process things. And it's even more prominent in children. The more screen time that they have, the more it's affecting their developing brain because our brain is growing exponentially from birth to 18. It never really stops learning. We never stop learning new things and growing greater understanding and growing in wisdom and knowledge. But those formative years of childhood are so important. So many children are exposed to screens at a very young age. 
And I'm not going to lie. I am a guilty parent who, when I was in the middle of doing something, I would for sure set my kid in front of Little Einsteins or Word World, you know, the things that I thought, okay, well, at least they're educational, even though it's a screen. We tried to limit the best we could, but we're entering into this new age that my teenagers want phones and tablets and laptops, and it's it's a whole different dynamic. And I'm navigating it. And hey, if you've done this and you've successfully raised your kids in this technology age and you have tips for me, I am extremely open to receiving your teaching on this because I'm learning as I go. James and I were really, really set in our ways before our children were teenagers that, hey, we are not going to buy phones for our kids. If they want a cell phone, they can do that when they have a job and they can afford to pay for it themselves. That's not something that I plan on paying for. We can have a house phone. My kids don't have to worry about it. And then my kids became teenagers. (laughs) And then I thought, wait a minute, you go and you do stuff with your friends. Not everybody has house phones anymore. That's not a thing. Maybe having an emergency phone is a good thing to have on hand. That was the first introduction of a phone for my kids. One emergency phone, we kept it in the house if we went out on date nights and we had a babysitter. We kept it there so the kids knew if there's an emergency, you can call mom and dad, you can call 911. This is here. This is available if you can't use my phone or daddy's phone. This is available. But it wasn't something they could just pick up and use whenever they wanted. And then we moved into an RV. That's a different dynamic, right? That's a whole nother adventure. (laughs) And so trying to figure out, okay, what do our kids need now? We got to the point where our 13-year-old was talking to us and saying, hey, I really want to have a music player of some kind that has earbuds that I can carry around with me. So we started pricing all these different MP3, MP4 players, just something for her to stick in her pocket where she could walk around and listen to music. And as we were doing our research, we are like, you know, buying her a cell phone might actually be cheaper than buying a music player because it can actually do a lot more things. <laughs> and open parent trap number one. <laughs> So we considered for a long time what to do about this music player that she wanted. We thought, you know, she's pretty young. That's pretty young to have a cell phone. But if she she wants a music player and it's actually going to be more cost effective for us to just do this and put it on our phone plan, then maybe we do this and then we use our emergency phone and we give that to our oldest who is almost 16 and will need to be driving soon. And that is what happened. <laughs> That's how it progressed. We progressed that quickly from nobody's going to have a phone to, oh, maybe we'll just give our two oldest phones. (laughs) I'm really embarrassed to admit that, but that's what happened. That's not the first introduction to screens outside of a television that my kids have had either. When they were, my two oldest were probably seven and five, eight, five in there. When we started doing schooling at home with them and there were books that they could listen to on tape and games that they could play that were educational, we got them Amazon Fire tablets and we put some educational things on it and they were allowed to play with it for like 30 minutes a day and and not even every day. But we limited it to the specific things that they could use it for. They kind of grew out of it because, you know, as kids grow, they're like, ah, those are baby games. I don't want to do that anymore. So they decreased their use of tablets for a while. And then we introduced the phones. Well, 
Now we have these two tablets. And as you know, I have twins that follow my number two child. So, of course, instinctively, those children are like, so we get the tablets, right? (laughs) We considered it. We agreed that tablets would be fine for audible books for a couple games. And we would just leave it at that. So our oldest two now have phones. (laughs) Our second two have tablets. And my youngest two still are very limited on anything they get that's technology. This is a difficult time to be raising children when you want them to experience life in the world. Why do I say that? Because we are living a homestead lifestyle. We are trying to teach our children how to be self-sufficient, how to live the most holistic, clean, pure way possible. Then we have technology, which is the complete opposite of that lifestyle. (laughs) Granted, you can do very little in this day and age as far as running a business or staying connected without technology. It's very difficult. Can it be done? I think it can. I haven't figured it out yet. So we currently have Facebook pages. I have an Instagram Our children still do not have social media accounts. That's not something that we're interested in allowing them to have until they're adults and they can navigate it. We have instructed them on what social media is. We've they've had encounters with those things, but it's not something that's really prevalent in their life. And that's how we like to keep it. I like to keep it simple. I'm trying to give them the best opportunity for their brains to grow in the greatest ways but it becomes a fight. Anybody who has children that has screens knows that there's always a battle when it comes to screens. What are these battles? You might ask if you have yet to experience the bliss of the stage of motherhood. <laughs> Let me tell you, they revolve around, one, the child being on that screen when they do not have permission. Two, the child doing things on that screen that they don't have permission to do. Three, the child's behavior being altered because they spend too much time on said screen. These are the issues that we've seen arise. I've seen this in my kids since they were really small, and the only technology that they experienced was a TV and the occasional movie or educational show. I noticed a major shift in their behavior the more time they watched screens. So we made a rule in our house that they were allowed to watch a movie as long as their behavior wasn't altered after they watched that movie. And if it was, screens would be removed for a week. That seems extreme, right? A lot of people are probably going to be like, boo, hiss, that's a terrible parenting tactic. And maybe it is. But for us, my kids' behavior was far more important to me than any time that I had to myself while they watched a screen. We have exceptions for when everybody's sick, for when a child is sick. When you're not feeling well, the last thing you want to do is to be reading a page or doing anything active. You really just kind of want to zone out. And if you can't sleep, it's easy to toss in a movie and just kind of get lost in the plot and the characters. That is one of the greatest exceptions that we have for screen time. If you're feeling cruddy, you can watch a movie. Unfortunately, my kids know this. So then they'll be like, "Eh, eh, eh, I don't feel good. And you're like, get your schoolwork and sit down. (laughs) I do notice, though, even when they don't feel well, if they watch screens for too long, 
they become really short-tempered. They become easily agitated with one another, very uncaring. They don't seem to be as patient with um, their siblings or even their animals or their parents. They are quick to jump on each other's back if they just look at them wrong. It's just, I don't know if it's because they're all girls or just because they're all siblings, but they can be so quick to snap at each other when their brains zone out for too long. Even if they are sick and I notice a huge shift in behavior, I cut screens out for a week. My kids will tell you that it's incredibly unfair and it should not be that way. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you for the sanity of myself and all of the world around me, it is probably the best decision. (laughs) Another issue that we have had to deal with has been our children scrolling YouTube or just the internet in general and coming across things that they really shouldn't either be exposed to or shouldn't be watching at all. How have we handled that? Well, let me ask, how have you handled that? Because I, as a parent, am trying to shape and mold my children into who they should be, but I'm trying to do it in a way that isn't trying to shape and mold them into who I am, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to create little mini-me's. I am trying to help build them into who they were created to be. It's a really delicate balance to be able to figure out, how do I teach this child to make a good decision regarding this thing without pressuring them to make a decision based on my thinking about that thing? I want my kids to have a conviction that leads them and guides them through this life so that they can make the best decisions for themselves. I don't need to be there every step of the way. I don't need to be there every second saying, hey, no, we don't do that. Oh, no, let's make this choice. Oh, let's redirect there. That's what you do with really little ones. Once they get into their teen years, they're trying to learn how to be independent and grow into the people that they're supposed to be. So I try really young, like 10, 11, 12, to start giving them opportunities to make those decisions. And when they get it wrong, we can easily be like, well, let's course correct here. How did that affect your life? Do you think that was a wise choice? Do you think you should make a better choice later? Or do you think that was the best choice you could have made? It's not always easy. It's sometimes extremely difficult. As a parent, watching your child grow to understand what healthy boundaries are for them is very very emotional. For me anyway, it's been an emotional journey because I see often when they do make a wrong decision, the shame that instantly comes over them. And I never want my children to feel shame. Do I want them to feel remorse? Absolutely. Like, hey, that was a bad choice. Let's not do that again. I want them to feel that. I want them to experience that for sure. But I don't want them to feel shame in the sense that They feel like a complete failure as a human being. That's not my desire. And it's hard to watch them learn that balance. It's probably the greatest gift of parenting to sit back and say, hey, you made a really poor choice. But guess what? We all do. We're going to learn from it and we're going to move on and grow and be better and do better next time. That is an amazing feeling. But to see your kids suffer in that, oh, that was not a good thing that's really hard. I don't enjoy that part of it at all. My kids have given me the ability to communicate with them. They are really good at being like, 
I did this and I don't know if it's the best. To the point where our kids will bring us their phones and say, hey, I ran across this music. It doesn't really make me feel that good, but I don't know if it's if it's really bad for me. Can you listen to it and give me your judgment? And then we can offer our advice, can offer our perspective without saying, yeah, that's terrible. Don't listen to that. We're not trying to dictate the lives of our children as much as we're trying to direct them and teach them and guide them. I always want them to feel like they have the choice. Another interesting thing that I have noticed with my kids is they often, once they get in front of a screen, have a very difficult time uh, setting a boundary to get off of that screen. (laughs) For instance, I have one child that is a really hard worker. She works harder than anybody. She offers help all the time. She is consistently joyful, willing, and able. So one of her greatest rewards is screen time. She got some screen time last night, and at least two hours later, she comes in. She's like, oh, I just realized what time it was, and I need to plug in my screen. And I was like, oh, my gosh. My kids are given a specific amount of time that they can be on a screen. Sometimes we say, okay, you have one hour. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes we'll say 15 minutes, and that's all you get. Other times we'll say, okay, you can have that until such and such a time. Always screens need to be turned off and turned in at nine o'clock. I actually have a parental setting on my 14-year-old's phone. It completely shuts her phone down at nine o'clock. I need to figure out how to get those parental settings onto fire tablets because those are the ones that get away from me so often. Unfortunately, for my 17-year-old, you can't set those kind of parental parameters because she's 17. Otherwise, she too would have one of those. But alas, she is learning how to self-govern and know when it is appropriate to turn off a screen and walk away. This is something she still struggles with. We're still in the learning process, which is okay. Technology overall can be a blessing. My children have been able to do country reports, state reports, research on topics that they have asked me questions about that I haven't always had the answer to. And they literally have all of the answers at the tip of their fingers, which is amazing. As a kid, I had to get on my bike, ride down to the library, go through the reference cards, figure out which one would give me the information that I needed, go down the book aisles, look up all the call numbers, pull out the books, go sit down and scan through the whole book to see if I could find the answer to my question. There's nothing wrong with that. I actually much prefer books over screens, but it is a huge advantage to be able to pick up your phone type in what do dogs eat and a bunch of answers will pop up right there. You quick research and figure out what's the best food to feed my dog. It's amazing the advantages our children have with technology as long as we use it properly. I will say teens and tweens, their phones, their screens, the best thing to do is to set very clear standards and boundaries. Our children know that they can earn screen time by working hard, working diligently, getting everything done that is required of them in a day. 
they understand that they're only given a certain amount of time to have a screen. And they've also learned that when they don't comply or they choose to not do something right away when they're supposed to, and they just decide, well, I'm just going to slack off here and not do this because it's not that big of a deal. The consequence is typically going to be the loss of that screen time that they wanted. They are willing to lose that screen time. That's on them. I'm all for my kids making their life decisions that don't harm them with my guidance and protection around them. Jana, is there anything you think I should add to this? No? You sure? Okay. Setting boundaries for our kids in every area of their life is so important. And I don't think phones and screens are any different. In fact, I feel like setting boundaries for phones and screens may be even more vital to our children's health their mental stability than anything else that they are exposed to in this day and age. With that said, if you have any tips, ideas, things that have worked for your family as far as having phones and screens with your teenagers, your tweens, and even your younger kids, because, hey, my younger kids are 8 and 10 now, they're begging to have their own screens. I am open to any and all input. I appreciate you listening to this episode of Stay at Home, Mom and encourage you to check out our YouTube channel, Goodies Gabbings. That's goodies with an apostrophe on YouTube. And also check out the affiliate link below for Rejuva Minerals, skincare and makeup. I've used this company for over 10 years. They are dedicated to providing the most safe and natural products there are. They're US-based and I highly recommend them. Their link should be below in the show notes. Also, check me out on Instagram. Shoot me an email at stayathomemomgoody at outlook.com. And we will keep in touch with that. Gonna say, love your family this week. Enjoy being a mom. Embrace the joy of motherhood. Monitor those screens. And build your house with your own two hands. Have a blessed week. Bye.